listening to Inside Healthy Teams by Apricot Consulting, a series that draws on the experience of experts to unearth the principles of personal and team leadership. For more information, go to apricotconsulting.us. Welcome to Inside Healthy Teams, insights from senior leaders on what it takes to design healthy teams and organisations for the future. Apricot's seven areas of health are designed to help organisations be effective for the future. In today's podcast, we're going to interview the CEO of AbilityWorks, a disability employment service provider on the all too important topic of inclusion. So no doubt one of the key priorities for executives to drive engagement in their business today is to create purpose-driven organisations that play their role in resolving key social issues. AbilityWorks lives and breathes inclusion as part of your core business. I know our listeners are keen to understand about what it takes to build an inclusive workplace. So hi, Sue. Great to have you on the podcast today. Welcome. Hello. Yeah, thanks for joining us. So can you just tell us a little bit more about AbilityWorks and what you do? AbilityWorks exists as people who live with a disability and those experiencing disadvantage face several barriers to employment. These barriers exist due to a disparity between job opportunities and their skills and perceived capabilities. Our social mission is to provide purpose, pride and belonging through inclusive employment. Our aspiration is to provide long-term meaningful employment to more and more people. We employ 150 people, of which 130 live with a disability or are people experiencing disadvantage. They are employed in three business units, a wire and metal fabrication, light engineering operation, manufacturing products for the building and construction industry. We repair and manufacture temporary fencing, make wire mesh products and wire baskets. Uh, We have a document scanning, management, destruction and mailroom service unit. Uh, Our largest customer there is the Department of Defence. And we also have a packing assembly and logistics unit where we pick, pack, dispatch, rework for the likes of Stanley Black & Decker, Victoria Racing Club, Good Friday Appeal and many more customers. Okay, wow. Thank you for that. Um, Can you describe how you see current climate for inclusion in the workplace? In Australia, as well as overseas, it appears that the progress of inclusion in organisations has been slow in pace and scale. There are many different groups in the community for whom discrimination in the workplace exists. Uh, Discrimination exists around gender, age, sex, disability, if you have an Indigenous background, race, and whether or not you have a mental health condition. Uh, To bring these groups into the workforce is a huge change management challenge and one that would need to be expertly executed. The area I know the most about is people with disability and experiencing disadvantage and the unemployment rate for working age people with disability has increased slightly in recent years from 8 to 10% between 2003 and 2015. Despite the enormous resources that are being put into getting people with um, disability into work via the NDIS. The good news is the conversation and intent around disability, uh, diversity and inclusion is increasing, but we have a long way to go in terms of execution. Yeah. So do you see um, the change in recent years, has this sort of um, gotten better over time? Uh, it's it's still, as I described, yeah. it's slow. It's slow. But but a lot of conversation happening. Excellent, yeah. So it's a great start. Yeah, <laughs> it's on the right track. In your experience, what are the challenges faced by those who are marginalised or differently abled as they seek or maintain employment? And have you got any stories that you could share? Mm-hmm. 
So people with disabilities face multiple barriers that make it harder to find or keep jobs as the focus tends to be on what they can't do as opposed to what they can do. So in Australia, they are nearly twice as likely to be unemployed as people without disability. When people think of employees with a disability, they think of someone in a wheelchair who needs an accessible toilet or someone with a hearing impairment who needs an adapted phone. A lot of the time when disability is spoken about, it's spoken about as everyone with disability is one. The fact is that the challenges of someone with physical disabilities are very different to someone with intellectual disabilities and their needs fall across a complex and wide-ranging spectrum. For people with disability, discriminatory attitudes and behaviours occur during recruitment and in the workplace. For example, if someone has a physical disability, employers tend to think that their absenteeism might be higher, that they are more likely to quit or to use workers' compensation, when in fact the opposite is true. They tend to take fewer sick days, are more loyal, and in part that's because they face so many barriers to actually getting a job in the first place. Uh, Then there are the less visible disabilities, such as learning impairments, Parkinson's or multiple sclerosis. So we also need to think of adjustments for situations we may not think of as disabilities. There is a lack of knowledge and misconceptions about adjustments as employers think it's going to be more costly to employ someone with a disability. Employers are often unaware of government funding that is available to help them provide an accessible workplace. And in addition, many people with a disability themselves are unaware of the funding available. And there are also um, many other challenges like a lack of transportation to get to a work site, uh, health issues, Overall, the prejudices and biases leave people to overlook the extent of capability of people with disability, and many people capable of working are not provided with the opportunity. So AbilityWorks um, works with people with complex and high support needs and many people with intellectual disability. For example, we have a young man in his 30s who came to us after undergoing a six-month work trial period to get work at another organisation. After six months, he was let go. Uh, at Ability Works, he has been provided with significant individual support. We partnered with his family and his treating professionals, uh, have involved him in certified workplace education and focused on finding him things that he can do as opposed to what he can't do. We break jobs down into their component parts. We use robotics and other technologies to get people like him into employment. He gets lots of positive feedback and there is a lot of ongoing communication with family and professional partners. So it's been a multi-team approach and he now does basic manufacturing work, making coil holders in our wire fabrication operation. Um, As I mentioned, AbilityWorks specialises in working with complex and high support needs and often there are people with physical disabilities who are highly skilled and often take lower level jobs because of how they are perceived. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that story. Um, There's sometimes a belief that inclusion and excellence are somehow in conflict and that they struggle to coexist. How would you respond to this? Research demonstrates that inclusive cultures are high-performing cultures. They deliver greater performance and productivity. In 2017-18, the Diversity Council of Australia conducted a survey amongst 3,000 working Australians on the state of inclusion in the Australian workforce. 
The results indicated that if you work in an inclusive team, you are 10 times more likely to be highly effective than workers in non-inclusive teams, nine times more likely to innovate, five times more likely to provide excellent customer or client service. Uh, this is just another example of where society's assumptions are limiting um, when the reality is competence and accomplishment. Um, and there's research that has shown that perspective taking or trying to walk in someone else's shoes builds empathy. How would you recommend others um, go and organisations go about being more inclusive? Language is a really powerful tool for building inclusion by helping people feel valued and respected. Non-inclusive language contributes to and continues stereotyping. I would recommend start with yourself and pay attention to what you say, make a conscious decision to avoid derogatory words, call people out on inappropriate language. For example, if referring to people with a disability, referring to them as handicapped or retarded or crippled is focusing on the impairment, not the person. It's more respectful to refer to them as a person with a disability or people with disability. Create teams and networks in which a diverse group of people feel um, they belong. Research conducted by Deloitte shows that when people feel they are treated fairly, that their uniqueness is appreciated and that they have a voice in decision-making, they will feel included and develop a sense of belonging. And finally, become open and curious about new and different perspectives from a diversity of people. Yeah. There's lots of studies at the moment about loneliness being a really big factor, so mm. belonging is um, definitely important. So what are the biggest mistakes you see leaders making in the area of diversity and inclusion and how can they course correct? A 2017 survey done by PwC said that 87% of respondents indicated that diversity and inclusion was a priority for their organisation. So while good intent is there, it's the implementation of the intent that is lagging. So speaking from my own experience, maybe as a leader, you are holding on to your unconscious bias, uh, believing you have to do this on your own. Uh, there are many supports available. If I concentrate on my area of specialty, you can take advantage of the NDIS to employ people with a disability. Don't be afraid to consult directly with people from diverse backgrounds that you are seeking to employ in terms of what would make a positive difference to them and what their expectations are. View it as a two-way communication and be prepared to expect the unexpected. Uh, you can collaborate with community partners to better understand the needs of the people you are employing. So, for example, if you're employing someone with autism, consider working with an autism support service. Uh, you can work with organisations like ours, a social enterprise, start small or just procure from us. Procuring from us will create jobs for people with disability or people experiencing disadvantage. Yeah. And has there been any examples of best practice that you can share? Leading organisations like Accenture, Telstra, EY have some great examples. I would, however, like to highlight what the Victorian state government has done for inclusion and diversity. It has led the way by introducing in September 2018 a social procurement framework and policies, and the Queensland government has now followed. So the framework is the first whole-of-government commitment to social and sustainable procurement in Australia. It is increasing job opportunities for people with disability, people from disadvantaged backgrounds, by encouraging government agencies and the private sector to seek to supply government 
to dedicate a proportion of their significant spending power to buying from social enterprises, Indigenous businesses and other social benefit suppliers. So, for example, AbilityWorks has built collaborations in the infrastructure industry and we have set up to supply temporary fencing to infrastructure players as a result of the government's policy. Okay, great to see Victoria leading the way. Um, so can you tell us, our listeners, a little bit about some of the great work that you're partnering with the larger corporates in this space around a shared value program and how that is helping deliver value and driving inclusion? So not just ticking the boxes, but actually moving the needle on mm-hmm. the topic. So shared value is a business strategy designed to solve social issues profitably. The establishment of shared value came after the global financial crisis when capitalism and the reputation of business was under siege. Companies seeking to create shared value benefit their own long-term competitiveness. Transurban is a corporate with whom we have been working with since 2011. AbilityWorks manages Transurban's national mail and check and sort returned e-tags from the public. We process about 500 to 1,000 e-tags a day and this employs seven people with a disability every day of the year. Transurban also went out to its supply chain, encouraging their suppliers to procure from us. One of those suppliers was the Oricon Group. Oricon is a first-year engineering design consultancy, and as they were not able to directly procure from AbilityWorks, they have been engaged with AbilityWorks to help build our operations by supporting skill development and capacity building. Due to the Victorian government's social procurement policies, Transurban and Oricon are able to use the story of assistance they are providing AbilityWorks when pitching for government contracts. And this is where the shared value cuts in. And both Transurban and Oricon have engaged with AbilityWorks at a strategic level and engaged with us to understand our strategy in depth. The overall goal of our shared value project is to assist AbilityWorks double the number of people we employ. Uh, So the type of assistance we have received has included uh, Apricot Consulting, facilitating the shared value project between Transurban, Oricon and AbilityWorks, provision of a strategy facilitator to help update our corporate strategy, uh, introductions to influential people to help grow the organisation, assistance with engineering advice, Um, Oricon have been focusing on providing uh, mentoring advice for myself, um, leadership training for myself and um, my management team. For example, I joined the Oricon leadership team when they did a two-day change leadership session at Melbourne Business School where they requested Melbourne Business School to enable me to attend on a pro bono basis. So both organisations are providing tremendous value to AbilityWorks. Yeah. No, that sounds fantastic. So what would others do if um, they wanted to begin the first steps in building a shared values program? Where, where might they start? The right shared values approach is when it's integrated into a corporate strategy by the board and senior leadership. The strategy needs to identify the shared value focus and articulate the goals. It needs a long-term commitment in order to have meaningful social impact. Delivery of the project will need to leverage assets and expertise across the business, external parties and stakeholders, and results need to be measured and communicated. Or Victorian and Queensland businesses can just socially procure from a social (laughs) enterprise. Uh, By doing this, you'll be helping solve a social challenge and get social credits when pitching for government tenders, which increases your chance of winning the tender. Excellent. And finally, what are the most important ways leaders or organisations can adapt their behaviour to create a stronger culture of inclusivity? 
Um, start by checking your unconscious bias and values and whether they are truly inclusive. Bias affects decision-making. Uh, bringing about a culture of inclusivity will need to be driven by the leader, and that takes time and energy. Uh, when there is commitment from the top, others will follow. Uh, you need to lead by example, and if your self-assessment suggests you have biases, consider educating yourself. Uh, using opportunities to speak about diversity will send a powerful signal about your commitment. Successful leaders on diversity and inclusion have tended not to hand off the responsibility for it to others. Uh, you may need to rethink your assumptions about what a great employee looks and sounds like. Uh, an open mindset is helpful with a desire to understand how others view and experience the world and have a tolerance for ambiguity. Another way is leveraging the thinking of diverse groups for smarter ideas and decision-making within your organisation. This reduces the risk of being blindsided. And to bring about lasting change, you will need to embed diversity and inclusion in your organisation's strategy, goals and performance with realistic and achievable targets. Those leaders who are most successful in advancing diversity understand it both as a moral and business imperative as something to be done because of their personal values and because their companies need it to be competitive. Thank you very much for your time today, Sue, and sharing your insights on inclusiveness and what organisations can do to actually build an inclusive workforce. And it's also great to hear about the um, fantastic organisation that you're part of, AbilityWorks. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Inside Healthy Teams. Thanks for listening to Inside Healthy Teams by Apricot Consulting. We hope you found it helpful. And if you did, it would help us if you could rate and review this episode on your podcast platform and subscribe for more episodes. For more information, go to apricotconsulting.us.